0: Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, what's up? Amir Ryder here with the Transform Sales Podcast. I got my guest, Ryan Lalier, founder of Sales Love the name. Thank you. And it's been quite some time since we saw each other. I think that you and I met back in COVID when I was in Miami, and I think you were Just getting into the outsourced sales industry back then and i feel like time flies because here we are having a podcast talking about mistakes that buyers make and i'm sure you've probably seen a lot of mistakes that they have made over the time how are you doing today i'm doing great how are you i'm good for anybody watching it's not snowing where ryan is i was confused too it's just a white fence that happens to be at the right line to look like you got some snow going on um, but thank you for chiming in the, the, you know, just to kind of chime in who's listing on the show. Sometimes we have sales agencies that are getting familiar with their other colleagues in the industry, but other times there are first time buyers of outsourced sales services. And sometimes buyers that have done it and said that they were victims and they lost all their money, but they're back at it because they need revenue and they're not victims of their huge billion dollar companies as much as they say they are. And what we hope to achieve in this episode is transparency, talking about the mistakes And uh, hopefully buyers that are listening can avoid those mistakes. Those mistakes are costly for them, for their pipeline, for the AEs and for the uh, amazing agencies that perform for them. But before I get into that, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you got into the lovely business of outsourced sales to begin with. What brought you here?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Well, hey, Amir, thanks a lot for having me on the show. I really do appreciate it. Um, I've been following you for probably five, six years now. So love the content, love all the work you guys are doing over at CloudTask. And I appreciate this opportunity. Um, How did I get into this? Well, I kind of fell into the outsource piece because when I quit my job back in 2019, I had this vision of building an app. I want to build Teledoc for salespeople. I wanted to provide the opportunity and the option for at any moment at any time. A sales rep, SDR, BDR, enterprise rep manager could click a button on their phone and talk to a live sales coach. Um, the medium or the MVP, the minimum viable product that I came up with uh, was to just have it on Slack. So I signed up like 35, 40 people like quick uh, in the month of January of 2020. And most of those folks were AEs and SDRs. As we all know, what happened in February 2020 and uh, you know, March and April, the world changed a bit. A lot of those SDRs and AEs, they lost their jobs. Therefore, they could no longer pay me $39 a month. To talk to my buddies um, in uh, Slack channels and, and get uh, support. So they were, they were catching the, out to buy Bitcoin. I don't know what they were doing <laughs> at that point. Um, I think half were panicking and half were probably going off to start uh, outsource BDR businesses. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so at, at that point, I was like, what am I going to do? Do I go try to get a job in the middle of the pandemic or do I just pivot and try something new? So I went into CrowdCaster teaching classes and I picked up some consulting gigs. So I just started helping like early stage founders build out a go-to-market playbook for Outbound. Uh, those conversations turned into them asking me, do I know of anybody who does outsource BDR work or outsource business development? And I said, I do, I'll do it. So at 42, threw on the headset, sort of building lists, making cold calls. And I became the first BDR at Sales Jevity. And then from there, I just scaled the business. I uh, just kind of started to snowball. Uh, we started getting more and more customers, learning more, pivoting. Buying tech, you know, kind of get involved in the scene. And then if you fast forward to four years later, we're still standing. Fortunately, we're still standing. And we're a business
0: development as a service. Standing strong, if, if I had to add to it. Um Thanks, man. typically typically I get into the problems. I'm gonna do a little bit of backwards. I, I kinda wanna get into first like really understanding the the industries and companies that you help uh the best. And like let's let's not go broad, let's talk about the eighty twenty rule, right? The 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 uh where eighty percent of your revenue comes from, meaning that you probably crush it for them talk to me about that what what, what industries are you focusing in as a software is it services is it is it even more specific than that what, what are you what are you what are you focused on what is yeah sweet- i
1: mean yeah um that's a great question so when we started we took every piece of business we could get because we didn't know anything and we just wanted to get revenue right at least that was my approach um as we you know grew up a little bit and matured there was some sophistication Within the companies that were coming to us, so you know we did work with a number of you know crypto security firms, uh, which offered us the opportunity to call this on some very complex individuals in risk management in financial services and and, and banks and such. Um, you know your legacy martech, HR tech, those companies always exist. They always need help. Um, the way that we kind of pick and choose who we, who we work with is not really uh, industry as much as it is maturity. Um, is the team mature enough to understand that we are a third party? We're an outside vendor. and Are they mature enough to work with us in the SLA style fashion so that we can actually work in a, a harmonious way as a team,
0: right? So, so let me pause that. So Web, Web 3.0 is an industry that you guys do well in. Is that what I heard? Uh, yeah. Okay. And then aside from Web 3.0, you look for organizations that are at a specific maturity. Is that headcount size? Is that... Revenue is that type of funding is it a combination yep. of both. What, what, um, what I,
1: mean, the, what, what I look for is the team who am I working with? Is it just founder and me? Is it um, aligned with the marketing leader, uh, some folks in CS, uh, a, a couple of AEs that we're going to be supporting? Like, how much um investment from the team that we're working for are they going to put in, or
0: is it just going to be us on the so island? Less, just- it's less about. Revenue size, headcount, it's more about almost company culture, who you're working with, what their understanding is of outsourced sales or sales in general, like to to sell, hey, I'll get a partner that's going to support me to get through that hump or... It's kind of like you're almost creating the the, the POC as much as, which makes sense to me, by the way, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's a mixed bag. There are some mature organizations that have six, seven enterprise AEs in a company that's been around for 15, 20 years. They bring us in to support the AEs because you can't teach an old dog new new tricks and those reps need, need meetings. We'll mm-hmm. take that opportunity as long as the team, the team is mature enough. The tech is cool. We know we obviously want good product market fit. We don't want to sell junk or or push products and services that we're just not going to have success with. You know, we're at the point now as a business where we actually get get to turn down opportunities. Three years well, that's ago, when I you really start
0: growing. Right? And congratulations on that. That's like the magical thing when you start saying no. Yes, yeah. that's, that's when things get fun.
1: Uh, I think so. Yeah, definitely. And you can kind of can control the bandwidth too, and try to provide a quality service
0: so so you you threw out some titles too like like is there something in particular you like working with do you like working with ceos of founder companies do you like working with marketing leaders sales leaders talk to me a little bit about the those personas because you mentioned them right in the beginning i caught that super fast but anything that 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 is in particular a, a preference um do you work well with yeah i mean title wise we used to love cfos
1: and we still do but we all know that the the the, the shift to call on the CFO because all Rosie to, to the CFO is very popular now. Everyone's calling on the CFO. I mean, I literally got an email back from a CFO yesterday saying, I, I get 10 of these a day. I'm like, you get 10 emails like this a day of selling this type of product or service to you. Um, but the point being, they're getting they're getting hit pretty hard right now. So gotta love the finance folks, maybe take it a tear down, VP finance controllers, kind of people who are in the weeds, looking to make change, inject change, Go back to their CFO and say, "Hey, I have a chance to be a hero," but in you know, all the legacy titles, still remain the same. Um, I love selling to sales leaders; the higher up, the better. I think they have more of a macro view when you're at a CRO level of the business, and they kind of get it. Um, you know, VPs of sales can be a little bit prickly um, when you try to reach out and and sell them enablement tech there, software. There
0: are, but we're not here, yeah. We're, yeah, I mean, basically, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about what sets your agency apart from, from other sales agencies when it comes to serving your ideal customer. Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, we're, we're U S based. So, you know, everyone on the team is here, Um, whether that's a pro or con or or an advantage, the customer will have to decide, but that's who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, Our methodology is research-based, slow, deliberate. Um, We're boutique in a sense, like we're not trying to scale and get a, bunch of BDRs in here and take on a huge land grab yeah. We typically work with anywhere from four to six customers simultaneously. And we never go outside that. Um, I'm comfortable running a business that small controlled because it allows us to offer really good, good I think it's to the smart. customer.
0: I think it's smart. I think one of the biggest learnings I I, I can ever give uh, a leader from, from scaling to 265 SDRs when we were a service company would be to stay small, pick your customers. So that, that all makes sense to me. And, um, it makes a lot of sense, too, when you tie it together to, to CFOs being a good call point for you because U.S. based, right? High quality CFOs yeah. are not going to really put up with anything less than that. Right. So that definitely lines up. So so essentially, in a recap, right, you, you know, you're, you're looking for, for companies that, that have uh, U.S. That, that, that look for quality calling, small boutique shop where you guys can fit into a long term play where you're calling um, high level. C-level people having strong conversations right? Yeah, and personalization. Yeah,
1: I mean, I Amir, mean, look, it's all about product market fit, whether you're an external resource as a BDR or an internal. Yeah. Everybody wants to sell something cool that alleviates
0: pain. Makes life a lot easier. Right. I, tell you, I have a great friend. He was on one of our uh, episodes called uh, "Transformed Life. He, he, I went from being homeless to probably worth like 5 mil. He's 27 years old. He's running an ERC program where basically... Uh, they go after unclaimed money from the government and take a percentage of what they win. And they're doing a billion in revenue, right? But talk about product market fit. It's like, hey, hey, if you had W-2 employees during the pandemic and you didn't get the ERC credit, we'll get it for you. So people fail to you know, forget uh, he's doing awesome. Don't get me wrong. He's managing a big team. But you got a product where you're giving value to people, right? Yeah. Um, I had a call. I had three cold calls today. And they were all from uh dialing companies they're like hey and the best part was the first thing they asked me every time was how are you and i literally as soon as someone asked me how are you? I'm, I'm i'm angry because i'm like i i really don't like small talk with strangers yeah um, you know by so uh and they kept what are you using for a calling This and i'm like the thing to myself i'm like man you are literally competing against 1000 callers right voice yeah. the color. and i'm like i showed no signal no interest nothing you're just gonna cold call me and talk about my phone you know and say how how are yeah. you so So it's not the same as you know a product that actually clearly stands out there's not there's not three thousand competitors lower barrier to entry right um people people fail to talk about that right i I always give the analogy where like if you gave me a thousand porsche 911 turbo s uh brand new models and and told me i could sell them for 20k i'll sell all thousand today with one email you know um you tell me it's five million bucks i'll probably sell zero and I guess people are oftentimes afraid to look in the mirror at their own product and say, you know, would I buy this? Right. Sometimes they yeah. put you out on uh, that D-Day mission that they know you're not coming back from. Right. Um, Indeed. And they would have marched that beach themselves. Tell me a little bit about mistakes that you've seen. Right. And, and, and I want to focus in on mistakes that affect buyers from choosing the right agency. Right. Cause I'm not talking mistakes. They make that like hurt your ability to convert them. But, What mistakes do you see buyers are making during a selection process? Of when they're going to select an outsource firm? I'm ready to outsource. It's time to go find one, negotiate and hire one. Is there a common mistake you've seen? It's okay if there isn't, but is there something you've seen that there's like a mistake you make where you're like, dear buyer, I wish you knew these things so that I could better serve you.
1: Yeah. uh, There's two that really stand out. The first one is they don't ask to meet the team that's going to be supporting them. They kind of just, with the flow they sign the agreement they wire the money and i'm a pretty good salesperson i've closed more deals without having to introduce the team than i have and the only time i've ever had to introduce the team is when i was in a serious competitive situation and i said pump the brakes for one second have you met the team of the other company you're considering going with no i haven't do me a favor, go ask to meet the SDRs that are going to be supporting you, and then I'll let you meet the SDRs that are going to be supporting you here. And I usually win that deal because what's behind the curtain, most outsourced firms don't want to disclose or, or show. So, so
0: it's I, the first time I heard that answer, um, and it's, it's, it's interesting because it got me thinking, right? It's like, would you ever really you know, go to see a doctor or or elect surgery by making a decision by meeting their front desk receptionist. Right. Correct. Probably yeah. not. Right. And, no. and I think I think a lot of buyers, like I didn't think about that. They're doing that. Right. And like, they'll speak with you, Ryan, like Ryan, you're a sales guy. You're strong. you know, you're, 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 a, you're a, a powerful, straightforward person that that can definitely win confidence that you can carry and sell products. And then you yourself are like, come meet my team. Right. Like this is like, you're talking to me, I'm running the company. I'm not going to be cold calling for you. Wish I could. Right. Yeah, uh, maybe you do, but that's interesting. So, um, and this is back to the what makes you unique, right? The U.S. based, right? So, I, so I'm I'm kind of tying the, the, the t- tying the dots together that uh, there's no weak link, and everybody's presentable, everybody's strong, and that and that you're winning deals because you're a small boutique, U.S. based, everyone's educated, you handpick people, and that's a mistake you see buyers make, and that's your strength. So, so it's, it totally makes sense. Yeah, so I think you should make that part of your sales process. They have to meet the team. Yeah. What, anything else that comes to mind? Yeah. I mean, the,
1: there's two more, but the one that, that was a big, like lesson learned for me was when, uh, the buyer, when they become a customer, they want to control the lists of who we call, not the companies, the people based Mm -hmm. on a specific trigger event. Hey, you know, only call this list of uh, newly anointed founders who just got series A and just staying in that lane. And then I go back and say, Well, according to our statement of work, I've got a lot of meetings to book for you guys. If you keep me in this lane, you pigeonhole us. And I can't commit to what's in the statement of work now. You know, 16, 20 meetings a month is a lot as it is. Mm-hmm. When you start talking about, Hey, you can only call these people if they've raised series A, you know, that's not good. So I have learned. I learned quickly that when they start to say, hey, we have the list, you call our list, do what we want you to do, call the li-. I'll either A, walk away or B, try to explain to them, that's not how we work. Like we have to have a wide net. We have all the data under the sun. Once we know enough domain expertise and how to sell your products and who to sell them to, we need to be let free. If there's some named accounts that you don't want us going after, some tier ones and VIPs, no problem, siphon those off. We're not gonna touch those. But I don't sign deals anymore where people are just like, yeah, can you only call this list of 3,000 founders or 3,000 CFOs? Um, that's the biggest take for us. If we can't control the data, I'm out. So so
0: to recap, yep. biggest mistake buyers make hiring an expert and not letting them execute their expertise and setting them up for failure, right? Because it's different if they said we have been calling these people and these are the results we're getting oftentimes it's it's an experiment it's a guess and you're getting locked into it so it's almost Mm -hmm. like you're running an experiment that's not proven and probably want the experimenter to use their expertise and not pigeonhole them which makes lots of sense right yep um so yeah listen buyers if you're listening i'm like you're hearing it from a leader's mouth right these are these are things that are costing you pipeline and costing you money right Big time Big and, time. and <clears throat> it's, like, it's like if you're going to trust somebody trust them fully right and like i said before it's completely different right if they because if they say call these series a people maybe been doing it and they have the records that's a different story maybe but they usually don't right it's usually a, a hunch and it's usually it's usually their gut instinct it's not a proven campaign yet right um, so that's, that's a big thing. What about mistakes that buyers make when they're actually now engaged with you? And I know that kind of was that question too, but that's kind of, so, so anything else while working with you at the mistake top of that, cause that was kind of a working with question, anything else besides. From- yeah.
1: Um, while working with us, they, yeah. um, they panic early on. Right. So we could tell them, listen, it's going to take us two and a half weeks to warm up your email accounts, call a couple of weeks to gain some domain expertise, get our call strips, just get our house in order. I could put this on a slide and show them like the sequence of events and actual onboarding timetable. Sounds great. Looks amazing. By week two, where are the meetings? What's going on? How many calls Hmm. have you guys made? And I turn around and say, listen, I'm not going to be micromanaged. I'm going to proactively give you all the data you need. In fact, I could whitelist a dashboard right now and let you see all the activity that you could possibly want to look at. So it's the impatience early on and that panic that sets in in combination with them listening to some of those early calls that we're having, we're not going to be perfect on the first 25 to 50 cold calls we make. We're just not. We're going to be pretty good, but not perfect. And when they're looking for perfection from an outside firm and they want it right away, it definitely causes a little bit of anxiety for them. And quite frankly, it causes anxiety for me because I can already see where this is going. I've been around long enough to know that if this person's set in their ways or this team is kind of going to, panicking already early on we're gonna have a problem so i have to address that stuff right away yeah and in a couple in, in a couple scenarios i terminated contracts they would listen to a recorder call freak out stop calling that person said the wrong thing I'm like dude we've been on the phone for two weeks it, it doesn't actually happened.
0: make any sense because all uh, all success in life is failure right like every everything yeah. like light bulbs like to, thomas Edison 1000 times to find out the you pick the wrong element it blows up and he stopped we got no light bulbs. So yeah, it's not really. I agree.
1: I mean, just like relax. We, let us make some calls, cut our teeth, you know, take some rejection. And what they don't realize is that we're actually calling like a lower buyer persona, not really yeah. like anyone who can really move mountains. We're kind of just practicing on people in the companies and they don't get it. So do, they do, freak do, out. You
0: know, it makes a lot of sense I mean, I've seen this too before we've heard this before and, and anybody listening, these are, we could dive deep. You want to ask more questions about why this is a problem. Ping me, ping Ryan. We'll, we'll, we'll go into it because it is. Do you yeah. think that it's a symptom of a lack of understanding of who's in the awareness, consideration, decision stage, and sales in general? Or do you think it's because by the time they hire an outsourced sales agency, it's because they're behind on their pipeline and they're literally worried they're going to get fired? So now they've hired you in a spot of desperation. So everything needs to be fast. Like, what is it a symptom of?
1: More or um, both or neither? Yep. My wife has a saying Ryan, people come to you when it's too late. Wife's smart. It- Exactly what you just said nine out of 10 come to me when they've tried everything else. And now they're having that. Oh shit moment. And they begin to panic. Yeah. And then I have to arrive like, you know, like I'm some kind of God and I'm going to save everything in two weeks when it really is going to take me about 30 to 60 days to really get the machine cranking and get some predictability and some flow. Um, They always show up when it's too late, Amir. And that's really
0: what you were just alluding to there. And, um, you know part it's of team what we size. it's team size so so yeah by, by the, the the companies that over that that over the years that hired us with 30 40 sdrs have never fired us and they had the commitment they had the size they had the product market fit the guys who hire one to two sdrs it's it's a sad thing to say it but it's backwards like if you look at a map of contacts and how to uh, how you know and you know you you know this more than anybody you're actually supposed to have more reach and activity in the beginning and wind down to hit a pipeline they tried doing it backwards with less right and it puts them in a bad place so i, I it's, it's interesting because it's like if you're going to hire a small team you might want to hire three or four SEOs first and ramp it down because it's going to take more contacts in the beginning to fill a pipeline not less so it's kind of a it's kind of a backwards thing things to be but you know I hope that buyers now become more educated. I think there's gonna be a big shift in the in the SDR industry towards quality, right? Um, and towards uh, you know I personally think that if you look at the explosion of tools like uh, Gong and course, companies should be focusing more in my opinion on aes and closing rates, right? If you convert take a conversion rate from fifteen percent to thirty percent, you doubled, you basically doubled your output, right? Uh, yeah. And they, just, they don't, they don't do that. If you could just snap your fingers and kind of wish for something in this industry to change, what would that be? Is there something that like you just wake up every day and take a talk to your wife, have some coffee and you're like, I wish this was different. It's not a wish list.
1: Well, I mean, man, that is like a loaded question that I could probably rattle off, you know, 25 to 30 different the top things. One. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, didn't I, do it on purpose. I will say this and I, and th- I'm not going to cannibalize us by saying this we support a lot of aes who have never prospected in their life and refuse to do so um and they rely solely on us for their pipeline and because they rely solely on us for their pipeline um that by default makes us responsible for their number even though we're not and that's a, a ton of pressure on us that we put on ourselves but it, it's a head scratcher for us man, because you're, you're we, offending
0: the whole world community. This is accountability, dude. You can't talk about this in America.
1: I know, but it is accountability,
0: you're and you nailed it. <laughs> I, I, they've
1: tried to cancel me a few times already. It hasn't happened yet, so we'll see. Talk about but, this stuff. tell people that yeah, for whole I, know. Pipeline. I know. Well, dude, it's like the AES man. They just they want the 150 base 300 OTE. And they want everything handed to them because they're quote unquote closers. That still remains true. I I can't believe that the, that old school, I'm a closer, just get me in front of the right people and watch me dance still rings true. They are it doesn't matter.
0: Account customer support reps. I, I mean, they really NetSuite. are. I worked at NetSuite and I closed the biggest deal in South America, uh, in uh, Miami. And let me tell you, I was nothing more than a customer support rep. They called me publicly traded company. I got all these uh, recognitions and awards and stuff like that. And I was like, looking around, I was like, this is a joke. I was like, these yeah. guys never own the business. I was like, this is customer support. We talk yeah. about it. Buyers are in control. Okay. We talk about buyers being in control of the buyer pipeline, not talking to sales reps until they're narrowed down to three. We like the stats are out there, which, which basically says that AEs are support reps. Yeah. And sales are made at the SDR level, but they don't compensate them that way. Kind of weird. Um, it's I second, crazy. I second your thing. You AEs that are listening out there, um, take accountability for your own pipeline and uh, pick up the phone and see what people are doing and see the process instead of there's complaint. I'm like, you can complain. You get away with it for that long. It's not going to get yeah. you that far. I
1: I agree. I mean, I, I, I've I always wanted to be the person who st- starts the initial relationship and grows it with that person. Like if I cold call you, then I'm going to be the one meeting with you. Um, and that's why we do our best to show up to both, I mean, those initial meetings. I think that's how we meetings. met. I know. I and know, like man. What's the time? I know. I know. It's, it's,
0: is weird. You're American. I, I am. I kidding.
1: am. But dude, it the, the other part to it though, like the AE is like kind of like supports you can bring like maybe 20, 30% of your number. But as an AE, I mean the SDR rather as the AE, you can really crush your number. If you just block out five hours a week to prospecting, it'll yeah.
0: make a world of difference. Um, I got, I'm not going to lie, I looked bad for prospecting on NetSuite. So I think that works at some companies, but there was a weekly report that would be sent out every day to management and I 10X or 20X calling and emailing. And then they came to me and they were like, it was really strange. They are like, you're really active, but you're not opening up. And obviously NetSuite's a brain, it's basically a a brain transfer for companies, right? Like you buy NetSuite, it's an ERP when you want to go out public and it made me look bad. So like, I agree with you. But I've also seen situations where it can make you look bad, especially in the oracles, as the sales forces, the big sometimes status quo in the big company. So be aware of the company you work for, because sometimes you're like only given oh, yeah. you're only given the the bare minimum is is the best you can get, right? And then other places require so that's it's kind of tricky out there. But Ryan, this has been awesome. I think this can be the first of many conversations we have where we're gonna be dropping some insightful stuff for the audiences for anybody who wants to have a conversation with you wants to pick your brain, wants to hire Sales Jevity, how can they find you? What's the best way of connecting with you? And uh, where are you at these days? Where are you living, LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, well, you know, first and foremost, head over to salesjevity.co. Don't judge us for our artistic rendering, but more so the content that's on there and how we explain what we do. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Ryan Lallier, pretty straightforward uh, founder of Sales uh, You can email me, I'm Ryan at salesjevity.co.
0: Coming down to our event in Medellin in May or no? Probably not. Oh God, I'm gonna follow up with you on that one, uh, Ryan. Thank you for being here and uh, everybody who's checking in and listening to the Transform Sales Podcast. I uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Ryan, have a good day. Go snuggle the snow back, snow back there, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Amir. All right, man. Take care. You too. Bye.